Well, greetings and welcome to our continuing weekly meditation series. I'm Todd, the editor here at Fresh Text. If you're joining us for the first time for this week's meditation, we want to remind you that this weekly series is typically available at patreon.com forward slash fresh text. However, for this season of Lent, we are making the meditations available to all listeners here in the general Fresh Text feed. Today's meditation comes from the book of Mark, chapter 2, verses 18 through 22, and is entitled, A Time for Fasting and a Time for Feasting. Greetings and welcome to our Fresh Text weekly meditation. This week we will be reflecting on a passage from the Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 2, verses 18 through 22. Mark 2, 18 through 22. I'll be reading through the passage a few times and offering uh, some words for reflection thereupon. Uh, So you don't need the text in front of you, but for those of you who like to turn there, you are free to do so now. So let's begin, per our custom, following the ancient practice of Lectio Divina, with a moment of silence at the beginning. Now, there'll be a few additional moments of silence coming up, and they'll all be relatively brief, but we'll leave that space for you. If you happen to be in a place where you want to spend a little more time reflecting, you're free at any of the times of silence to simply pause and set a timer for however long you'd like, two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, or no timer at all, just going with the flow of the Spirit's guidance. It's really up to you. Um, but we'll always leave a f- you know, about 30 seconds or so of silence uh, at each of the key intervals throughout this time of meditation. So let's begin with our first moment of silence in which we simply are present to ourselves and to whatever is around us, noticing the sounds, noticing whatever we see, noticing smells and taste. Notice your feet touching the ground or the floor, wherever you're at. And release any tension in your body so that you can pay attention to the word of God that has been handed on to us. And now our first reading of the passage. Again, this is Mark chapter 2, verses 18 through 22. I recommend that during and then after in the moment of silence, you simply let your mind begin to imagine the scene, the characters in the story, what they're saying, what they're doing. Now, John's disciples... And the Pharisees were fasting. And people came and said to him, 
Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and they will not fast in that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. And now let's hear the gospel story read a second time. And during this time, we descend more deeply uh, with the mind into the heart to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to each of us. After this reading, I'll offer a brief reflection of my own to aid in your meditation. Uh, But you let your mind go where it needs to go as you listen along. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guest fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them. And then they will fast in that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins. The wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. This is the word of the Lord. (laughs) Thanks be to God. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There's a time for fasting and a time for feasting. Time for fasting and a time for feasting. That's the thought I want us to meditate upon today as it comes to expression in this story. Jesus makes it quite clear that fasting is not to be ruled out completely. He actually predicts that a time is coming 
when the bridegroom, whoever that may be, should be obvious, but we'll get there, (laughs) that the bridegroom is gone, then fasting would be fitting. But while the bridegroom is present, while we, quote, have the bridegroom, it would be inappropriate to fast during the wedding feast. No, this is the time for feasting, Jesus says. But a time is coming to fast. I'm just working through the book of Mark lately uh, in these meditations. Um, So I didn't plan the fittingness of this text during the Lenten season when uh, many in the church are practicing some kind of fast. And even those who perhaps fast uh, privately or secretly um, are perhaps more comfortable talking about fasting because the language of fasting and repentance is more public and corporate during this time of Lent. So even if you yourself have not taken a vow of a Lenten fast, I hope the, the language of fasting is not too unfamiliar to you. I find it striking that Lent, though it is a 40-day fast, strictly speaking, runs for 46 days from Ash Wednesday through to the end of Holy Week. And I first stumbled upon this fact and was confused by it until it was clarified for me that it is long-standing tradition for Christians to break their fast on Sundays, on the Lord's Day, on the little mini Easter of Christ's resurrection that we celebrate every seventh day. And at first this seemed kind of strange, especially because when I was first exposed to fasting, it was mostly about getting rid of bad things, naughty things. But over time, I've come to understand more and more that that to fast is to abstain from good things, the good things upon which it is fitting to feast from time to time. So as to change our relationship to those good things, as well as to open us up to the best thing that is God and his word. And so over time, I've come to realize that that fasting and feasting are both sides of one coin of the rhythm of our life with Christ that it is fitting to feast even in the midst of our fast. And sometimes it's fitting to fast in the midst of our feast. How can this be? Well, th- this, this little parable that Jesus offers here, though it's mysterious, may also offer us some insight. Can the wedding guests, which seem to be the disciples, fast while the bridegroom, seems to be Jesus, is with them. As long as they have the bridegroom, Christ, with them, they, the disciples, cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom, Jesus, is taken away from them, the disciples, and then they, the disciples, will fast in that day. This seems to be, perhaps, the first opaque prediction of the passion of Jesus Christ. 
that a day is coming when he will be taken from them. And so on that day, a fast is very fitting. Hence, it is not uh, unreasonable that many Christians have practiced fasting on Fridays, which is the day when we remember that Christ died for us and was taken from us. But in the same way, he was raised from the dead on the first day of the week. And so it's fitting that we would not fast, but rather feast on Easter day and for the Easter week, for Easter season, in fact, all the way until Pentecost. And yet even the Easter season comes to a close with Christ's ascension. And so in some sense, he is been taken from us. The groom is not with us, at least not in the way he was walking and talking with the disciples there and then, or walking and talking with them in the 40 days after Easter. In some ways, Christ is absent. He is at the right hand of the Father. He has not left us orphans, but has sent us his Holy Spirit. And nevertheless, in some important sense, he is not with us in the way he was or the way he will be when he returns again in glory. And so this time between the time is that we live in is in some sense all fast. The whole of Christian life is a time of fasting. All of the Christian life is in that time between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. The whole Christian year is Lent. The space of the Christian life is wilderness. So in some ways, it would seem always fitting to fast. And early Christians did, in fact, fast. You can see why they would have remembered this story, because it helped to explain why, though Jesus was not known as an austere fasting type, nevertheless, many of his followers after his ascension continued to practice fasting in a modified form from their Jewish heritage. And this text sort of perfectly explains that, that there would be a time when fasting would be fitting. And yet, and yet, there is another sense in which Jesus is always with us. He is at the right hand of the Father, although where exactly that is, I do not know. But we know that what he is doing there is interceding for us. And that by his Spirit, it is not simply his Spirit that is with us instead of him, but rather the Spirit is he through which Christ himself is genuinely present. What does he promise? When two or three are gathered together in his name, there he will be in the midst of them. Later he says, and behold, I am with you always. So Christ, though in one important sense absent, is also in another important sense present. The bridegroom is with us. And so we cannot fast. In some sense, the whole of the Christian life is a time of feasting, a time of celebrating, a time of joy, a time of being together, of being with, of including others in the feast. The whole Christian year is all Easter all the way down as the basic element of the rhythm of the Christian life is the first day of the week, the day on which Jesus was raised from the dead. A feast day, even in the greatest of fasts, we break our fast 
for the feast of Christ's resurrection, which takes place every seventh day. And so there is a time for fasting and a time for feasting. And perhaps that's exactly the flow of the Christian life, that we are in a time between the great event of Jesus and his coming again. So to be in this between time is to be in this strange, mysterious conjunction of both feasting and fasting. And I think the church in its wisdom has offered us suggestions of a rhythm of, of weekly fasts on Fridays, weekly feast on Sundays. But whether those particular rhythms are familiar to you or, or seem fitting to you is, is really beside the point. The truth of the matter is, we are always in a time of feasting, and yet always in a time of fasting. And so during our feast, we remember that life in this time in between is not yet over. And during our fast, we remember that we are still receiving the living word of God. That he is never absolutely absent from us, but is still with us. So when we feast, we remember our fast. And when we fast, we remember to feast. There is a time for fasting and a time for feasting. We are creatures bound by time. And so surely some days are better to fast and some are better to feast. And whichever season you are in, in this time, just don't forget the other side of the coin. And perhaps even step into that space from time to time. If you are in a season of great celebration, great things coming your way, you don't need to be the Debbie Downer, but to pause and remember those less fortunate than yourself and remember that times of fasting, of wilderness and trial are likely still to come. And perhaps even set aside some time for some actual fasting, setting aside certain good things for a season in order to open your heart to God. And in the same way, if you are fasting right now, be sure to break your fast with the occasional feast. Instead of just gritting your teeth and bearing through your fast, instead of just bearing the burden of trials of these times. Schedule it out. Set aside a time, perhaps soon, when you will join with others to break your fast, to celebrate, to eat, to consume with delight those good things, food or otherwise, that you've set aside for a season. You may need to ease back in, but nevertheless, be sure 
to break your fast. At the very least, every Sunday morning. For there is a time for fasting and a time for feasting. Now I invite you to just take a silent moment before I read the text one last time. And in this silent moment, just offer a prayer in response to God. Maybe it's a word or phrase that you heard in the text or in my talk today. Or perhaps it's just some other word emerging from within you. And if nothing comes to mind, that's fine. Just use the good old Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Just take a little time in the silence now to prayerfully respond to God before we hear the text one last time. Amen. Now let's hear the text one more time, and during and after this time, we'll have one last time of silence, which would be the step of contemplatio, the last step, lectio, read, uh, meditatio, reflect, uh, oratio, prayer, which we just did, and then contemplatio, just resting in the silence with our Lord. So I'll read the text. We'll have a little moment of silence. Again, you can extend that as long as you like, and I'll bring that silence to a close uh, by praying the Lord's Prayer, and I invite you to join with me in your own heart language in that prayer, wherever you are. Now, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them. Then they will fast on that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it. The new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. And now let us pray as our Lord Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.